twinkle in my grandfather's eye kind of a thing. Uh, I grew up in the South, so there's certain things that I say that not everybody understands, like twinkle in someone's eye. Um, but uh, that means I have, before I ever even thought about it, I was in uh, crawling under pews in, uh, in the 60s in revival meetings that my, my pastor, my father, was leading out in, just running around in the back of the church with the deacon's children and, and doing things that were questionable many times. But, uh, but one of the difficult things that, that happened in that whole story is I had, I had a kind of a distance with Jesus. And, uh, you know, maybe it was like family business, so much around me all the time that it was dull, or uh, maybe it was just that I saw a lot of things happen, not necessarily my, my parents' character, but just in the life of, of a Christian community that was disappointing. And uh, so when I started college, Jesus started doing a number on me, a deep work in my heart. And I went to a Christian concert, I just turned 18, it was... Uh, in my freshman year, and I really don't understand the sovereignty of God of how he pressed in my life at that moment. It may have been the loneliness of that season, but he got a hold of me. And at the end of that meeting, without an invitation, I stood up and said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And I'd been in church long enough that I had a list in my mind of what that meant. It meant I was supposed to read my Bible and pray and tell people about Jesus. So... Mark Buckner had heard many, a few thousand times in his Southern Baptist church going up, read your Bible, read your Bible, pray on a regular basis, and witness. We gave evangelistic invitations every week at the end of the service. I knew that I was supposed to do those things. So I started doing them. I started actually reading the Bible, two, three, four, five chapters a day. I started in, in Matthew. And said, you know, the Old Testament's bigger. I'm going to start in the shorter one. And uh, maybe I can accomplish that goal first. And then I, I got some paper and I started making uh, journals. And then I started doing peculiar things. Like uh, I went to school in Texas. My parents lived in Tennessee. And I would pick up hitchhikers and witness to them and bring them home. And say, hey, Mom and Dad, look who I brought you this time. And my father said, he, he prayed for me two years too long. <laughs> so my life was transformed in so many ways. But in, uh, in all of that, it's interesting. As you really start doing it, as you really start obeying Jesus, it, other people notice that and say, what, what's going on in your life? And sometimes you get more attention that you, than you need, and that's what I did. I started quickly being promoted in the different groups that I was a part of. And, and I was familiar with that. I, I, although I'd never done much in church growing up, I understood the process and how to get involved. But the big change in my life was not doing service on Sunday morning. It wasn't being a Sunday school teacher. It wasn't being in ministry in some formal way. The big change was that I really started to love people. You know, we're all basically self-centered, but I was doing really well in arrogance at that season of my life. And 
it stood out. I was like, I really, Jesus took my heart and put a love for people in it. And I looked for ways to serve. I looked for ways to help. And it was not because there was a checklist in front of me. And, uh, and then I started getting a lot of attention. I started being promoted. And I realized that I, was, I shifted some of the selfish ambition in my life over into ministry, over into service. Because in my environment, in my culture, in my community, I got strokes for that. And as I'm experiencing all of this, I start going, what, something's wrong. I, 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 I'm confused. My motives are shifting. I'm, you know, it was so innocent at first, and now I'm doing things kind of to get affirmation. I'm serving in order to get some other need in my life. I'm really not genuinely ministering out of a pure heart. And that was, that was one season kind of a, of a wrecking on the inside of my life because I was going, no, I don't want to fall in that hole. I, I don't want to be like that. I really want a pure heart. And I began to pray this Give me a pure heart and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a pure heart and fill me with the Holy Spirit. I need your power, Lord, to even take a step in this direction. That was a foundation in my life that began to cement this attitude, I want to be a servant leader. Every time, you know, uh, (laughs) I am politically conservative, but I have to say every time I get a kind of a strange blurb from many politicians, especially Donald Trump, I just pray, Jesus, give me humility. Rather than moving into accusation, I, that sense of brokenness in me comes up again, and I say, Lord, I want to be like you. I don't want to be like that or that. I want to be like you. Another part of my story, which is complex, intricate, uh, and again, many of us repeated again and again, was as I've started assuming responsibility and growing and was hired by the church, and all of a sudden we had like 300 college students and all this stuff going on, we're doing mission trips and everything, I was becoming relatively successful for a 23, 24-year-old guy. Our pastor had actually was exposed a moral failure in his life that had been going on for a long, long time. And again, the huge disappointment, the frustration, the confusion with leadership that is self-serving. Now, we have some good news. And I I just want to say the struggle to try to see servant leadership established is worth it. This thing that we're contending for, to see real character merged with authority that's functioning, is worth it. Now, leadership is influence. Leadership is, uh, can be influence that is negative even. The person is, is, is causing people to follow and go somewhere. But as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, leadership is our initiative to influence people 
in godly character and purpose. And if you have a crisis like I described in my own life where your, your selfishness is exposed or your failure, you just kind of feel like, oh, my gosh, why did I do that? What's that going on? It tends to make you want to just back away from leadership entirely. Like, ah, it's like it, it was the opposite of what I was trying to do. I, you know, why is this happening? But I want to tell you again, the, the pursuit of servant leadership is worth it. And it will cause you to deal with your flesh. It will cause you to deal with your poor motives. It will cause you to deal with the character in your life that's not in line with Jesus. So here's the good news. Mark chapter 10. Of course, who are we looking for in servant leadership? This is a familiar story. Jesus is walking around with 12 guys. There are actually other people around him. There were women that, were, uh, that had some money that were supporting that ministry. It talks about it in other places in the Gospels. And, uh, and there was kind of a crowd at a time that just was walking with him down the road. But at one point, James and John... Uh, and their mother got involved in this, and they went up to Jesus and said, hey, we kind of want a, a really good position. We want a title. We want to be important. I, I don't wanna, we're not just talking about this life. We want to be eternally important. Your right and left hand. We want to be up there. Now, that didn't go over well with the other guys in the bunch. How do you feel about that? Anybody in your group go up to the leader and say, you know, I'd like to kind of be over the rest of these guys. You know, where I give me, I want the VP role. And Jesus addressed this in some interesting ways. Let me read this. Jesus called them together. We've been having some problem, guys. And he says, you know, this is how the world works. Those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. But that's not what you're like. That's not who you are. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I'm going to draw your attention to a couple of things. Jesus didn't criticize their desire to be great. You know, you were born with a desire for glory that was God-given. You were born with a desire to, to whatever's in you to give full glory and expression to Jesus. But what's the, what is the motive behind it? Who is your audience as you're doing that? And Jesus is saying, the right motive is to empower others, to take what you've got and to lift other people up and to bring me glory. Jesus said, 
I didn't even come to be served, but to serve. And one of the best pictures we have of that in John 13 is of him washing his disciples' feet, saying, I, as a leader, am coming to help serve you. So again, by the grace of God and his mercy, let's pursue servant leadership. Give yourself to the calling he has and pursue transformation in your own character. Now, I'm going to define a couple of things. What does it mean to minister or be in ministry? And there's three passages I'm going to go through pretty quickly here. The first one is Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And it's telling us in all three of these passages I'm going to talk to you about are not about what we're doing for someone necessarily, but it is how we are followers, how we're emulating Jesus. So Matthew 28 uses the word disciple. And a disciple is a follower. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So a disciple is a follower of Jesus who does, not just talks about, not just discusses what Jesus said, but does that and teaches other people to do it. Second Timothy 2 2. Sometimes I tell people, have you told them 2 2 2? And what I mean by that is, have you talked about multiplying your life? Because that discipleship, again, is not just you being a follower, but teaching other people to be followers. And it's generational. Just in the way, and it's, you know, this is a, is a very challenging thing. When I was, uh, just in the way as parents are somewhat tested by their children. Now, grace of God, you know, I do not have an answer for every question. And your job is not to be the perfect parent that never has any problems. I encouraged my children to actually, I think, like, when you go off to wherever you are and tell them everything your dad did wrong, deal with all your emotional issues with me, get healed. I know there's ways that I've messed up. I am not perfect. But it is my job to see that my children follow Jesus, and it's my job to live a life that can be emulated, that they see all hours of the day and night. That's what we're doing as disciples of Jesus for others, for your roommates, the people that work with you, the people uh, that you're in school with. They are looking for examples. And then you're not just being that example, but you're showing them how. You're teaching them to obey. Then Ephesians 4 is a passage about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what these are are trainers. They're not titles. They're functions. They're not, you know, uh, we can sometimes call people pastors. We call people teachers. We, it's not that familiar in our culture, certainly broadly, to call maybe some people are called prophets. You don't call people apostles. That You know, what is that? You're... Uh, this is just unusual. There, some people may use those titles. I'm not trying to, to, to 
insult anyone. I'm just telling you, in servant leadership, it's the function, not the title. It's learning how to give. If you're, trans, if you're a trainer, then you are teaching others how to teach. If you're a trainer, you're teaching other people how to pastor. You're teaching other people in the prophetic. You're teaching other people in the apostolic. And the goal of that is maturity. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So mature trainers are disciples who train disciples who train disciples, and it creates a pattern. When we lived in Indonesia, our vision was to create discipleship chains to where people didn't know who we were. And we found that after four generations, they didn't even know I existed. They were concerned about the person that was investing in their life. And I was like, who is, you know, a lot of times our actual, our goal was to absolutely not be known that we were in the picture. So that's one of the benefits of persecution. It helps us grow in a servant heart. And that's what these guys do and these gals do. So I'm using the you guys in the pure New England vernacular that it relates to people in general. Now, the way this is worked out here at CFCF is that in... In three words. So what are we doing as disciples? What are we doing as disciples? We're training people's heads, hearts, and hands. So, so again, so often. So I grew up in a system, and I was a product of, of my generation where church was kind of an event. You wore a suit and a tie. It was a very much of a social experience. And we weren't really talking about equipping people's skills. We weren't talking about actually teaching people, training people how to impact people's lives. But in hands development, we want to teach you how to deal with people's issues. Applying God's word in our community, in every environment, and at your work. When people are in crisis, we want you to be able to bring God's word into divorce, moral failure, all types of broken relationships, confusion, distortion of character. We want to be those people that are trained to be out there, not just having events like this. But this is a part, this is a part of the training of the head. You can't do much training of hands when you're just sitting there and staring at me. And some of you are thinking very deeply right now. Your hearts are being profoundly infected, I hope. But... Training comes when we're walking down the road together. Training comes when I'm sitting down with your kids. Training comes when, when we're interacting, and it's just, just a few of us. So we want head. We want, we want you to be in the Word. We're, we're, we've had teaching in Daniel over the course of the semester. Uh, we started off with Nehemiah. We got into Titus. We want the Word of God to be training us, and we want to be dealing with deeper issues in our hearts you know, we are 
purposefully. 2 Peter 1.5 says, making every effort to add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. We're trying to do everything we can to see our character changed. Just going to check in with you right now. Anybody want some of that character to grow in their life? Just a few of you. Do you want character, Diane? Raise your hand. Wave at me. Yes, you do. There you go. This takes purposeful effort. This takes a lot of hard work. This means getting into conflicts with people. This means when you get your feelings hurt, you don't just stuff it. You say, we need to talk. This, wins, this is when you see someone doing something damaging in their life or they're telling a story and you don't just pat them on the shoulder, but you say, hey, when can we get together? I want to go deeper in this conversation with you. I want to understand this. You're not there to fix it, but you're there giving yourself in a deeper way. That is making every effort to move forward in heart, purpose, development. And the, in Ephesians, going on to 4.14, there'll be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Instead, speak the truth in love. Servant leaders are people that risk speaking the truth. And that, that is not just, hey, I brought my high-powered gospel gun and I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong. Speaking the truth in love is a very vulnerable, hey, I could be wrong. I may not have the whole story. I want to understand this. Uh, please, if I'm saying this wrong, tell me. Humility, bringing the truth in love is where transformation happens. And that's what we're about, to bring maturity, to get us to the next level, to where we're not walking around dealing with the same issues for the next 10, 15, 20 years. How many of you would like to be in the very same spot you are right now in your spiritual walk 10 years from now? Speak the truth in love. Get your hands trained. Work on your heart and in work on our, let's work on our hearts as a community. And let's dig into our minds being transformed by the word. In hands, discipleship is a lot about what's happening in our faith groups. So I want to give you something we've said many, many times. The life of the ministry of our church happens primarily when we divide up into smaller groups in homes, apartments, dorm rooms, offices all over our city. And if you want to develop in head, heart, and hands, if you want integration and maturity in your life, be a faith group leader. It's not the answer to everything. And yes, okay, I've done that before, or I did that in some point in time, and I got burned out. Okay, forgive, receive forgiveness, get up, and purposefully move toward leadership believing that God is going to do it in a servant attitude in your life. That you're going to break other patterns that you've had in the past, and you, you're going to see more of that pure heart and that character. Today we've got some people that I believe that have well 
exemplified servant character. And I'm going to call him up to you right now. So, Kendra Aguilar, Justin Coxum, Michael Ellis. Thank you. They're going to, you're going to get the chance to stare at him a little bit here as I talk about him. And uh, in April, I taught on the subject of elders, our need for more leaders to emerge. And we gave you an opportunity to question their character. We're happy to say that the silence that ensued was a resounding affirmation. So I'll reiterate a couple of things that I said during that time. Simply put, the elders should be peacemakers, prayer warriors, teachers, leaders by example, and decision makers. And as these are standing with right here, I want you to be jealous with a godly jealousy. I want you to say, Lord, make me one who is more mature so that I can cover people, that I can be a part of prayer. I can be one who's not just trying to figure out my own deal, but able to love others and be a spiritual mom or dad. If we're going to plant more churches, and I want to tell you, that's kind of why we moved to Massachusetts. It's, it's because I want to be a granddaddy. Nervous people over here. I want to be a spiritual grandfather. And there's nothing more exciting to me than to see people stepping up and assuming God-given authority in their lives. And it doesn't have to be a public affirmation. Again, I'm, I'm for the black market. Everything that you're doing that's serving and leading that's not seen, every role that you have in business, in, in, a, in the lab, in people's backyards... Looking at Ron over there. In leading businesses, that is where we want to see servant leadership also. But as we establish spiritual communities, this is critical. We need more people to step forward. And even though it's been a while since we've had elders, that have, uh, new elders ordained, we want this to actually happen on a more regular basis. So I think you're going to... I'm not talking about every other month, but... It, uh, a consistency to where you're familiar with this. Elders help settle disputes in the church. They pray for the sick. They watch out for the church in humility. They're shepherds. They, I, we talk. We talk about you. Gossip is talking with people who are not a part of the solution. Pastoring is saying, how are they doing? When's the last time you talked to them? How are they, what's, what's going on? What's the next part of that story? How can we get behind them? We want to be a part of protection and healing. They're watching out for the spiritual life of the flock. Titus 1 describes some of the prerequisites. They must have healthy and mature relationships. That's a bit subjective. But we believe that Jesus is teaching us how to evaluate his character, and we are making those subjective calls. They need to be good spouses. They need to be good parents. Again, there's a subjective there, but that's my experience with them. 
They need to be generous and hospitable. They're not stingy. They're not fearful. They're generous. And they need to be committed to the word of God. And, you know, we are, we are very conservative. I say conservative, theologically liberal in practice. That means every, I believe every word of the God, I believe every word of the Bible, all the way through maps. <laughs> concordance. I believe the entire concordance. The contents. I believe the contents. We're totally committed to, to the word of God that never changes. But how you live that out, it's constantly a creative process of God working in and through us. So I want to invite Ron Good, John Clark, to stand up with me right now. And uh, I believe this is a holy moment. Lord, I I ask that the fear of God would fill this room right now. And I believe that these uh, feel the fear of God. Ron and John feel the fear of the Lord. As we talk, we think about servant leadership. Are we, you know, what is our attitude as as we're leading out? Ron and John have served in multiple leadership roles over the year, the years, and, and often we've had different titles for things because we're trying to avoid titles. Like, ah, how do we do this? But just this year, we said, okay, we're going to call them elders. And they've not had this formal of process, but they have been faithful brothers to me. And I'm, I'm honored to walk with you, John. I'm honored to walk with you, Ron. And they are the ones that have walked with me in, in, in making these decisions right here. So, um, anybody want to say amen to these decisions right now? Real loud? All right. Phil gave me a clap there. That's good. So, uh, we want to pray for you right now. And uh, uh, John, why don't you get a mic? And... Um, uh, not going to have you kneel. You're in a dress. You want to kneel? So, why don't you do that? I told them they would be kneeling, and they're not kneeling to men. They're kneeling to Jesus. It's not about us. We are recognizing the grace of God in their lives, okay? So, this is this is a holy thing. This is not... Our church this is not our reputation. This is not about, about any one of us. This is recognizing that they fear God, and they're bringing attention and a balance to the team that already exists. Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah. So, Sandra, get loud, and you and Nick start screaming something. Y'all get something, you know. Everybody's being really polite right now. Okay, guys, we're going to pray for you. But I also want, I want to invite a few others. If you'd like to pray for these guys to come up and join us right now, that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're ordaining them, we're consecrating them, we're submitting them to Jesus in this process, and we're asking for God's power and grace in their lives. And they're elders of this community, so in a sense, they're your elders. They're people that are called to be shepherds here, and we want them to live out God's power. So. 
Justin and Kendra and Michael, do you receive the grace of God for this role right now? Do you receive the humility that Jesus wants to put in you right now and the power for physical healing? The elders, the call for the elders of the church to lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. They'll anoint with oil. So John and Ron, could you lead us out? in a couple of prayers, and I'll close this. Father, I thank you for, um, for these people, Lord. I thank you, Father, that uh, they live their lives fully submitted to you and to your purposes, God. I thank you, Father, that um, Michael and Kendra and Justin, um, God, that, that when, when Mark was talking about uh, servant leadership, Lord, that they exemplify what it means to serve others and to lead, lead by serving. Father, I ask that you would um, give them every single thing they need, Lord, to be able to um, uh, bring holy, uh, godly perspectives to this team, Lord, to this church, God. Father, I thank you for what you're doing um, in this church. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives, Lord. Father, I ask that you would um, continue to, to grow and develop them. Lord, I ask, Father, that you would give us wisdom as a team um, uh, to know how to uh, to really be fully submitted to you and to your purposes for this for this body, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Jesus, for. Washing my feet for redeeming me from the pit, God. And I, I just say that for all of us. We praise your name that you you came to rescue us. You say, hallelujah, be glorified, Jesus. You're so kind. You're so full of mercy. And we remember you this morning. We say you're good, God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for the kindness and joy that you give us, Lord. And I pray that you would release it over um, uh, Justin and Kendra and Michael and me and everyone in this body, Lord. We want the goodness of God. We want to walk out, Jesus, in love and mercy. Amen. We want to see justice happen, God. And we want to be humble, Lord. God, we come to you broken. but we come to you as uh, a father. And we just say thank you so much, God. God, we ask that you would release your goodness and your power, Lord. Amen. Amen. Justin Coxon, we commission you into this uh, role as an elder in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Kendra Aguilar, we commission you, our sister. And this role is elder in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Michael Ellis, we commission you our brother into this ministry. This role is an elder in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Bless you guys. You can... Thank you, guys.